having the confidence and belief that there is a simple, simple way to create value that's repeatable, that's scalable, like figuring out what that is for your agency is going to be how you liberate yourself from the prison you're probably in because a lot of agency people are not happy with their agency. Ground Up, episode 26. In 2014, Russ Perry considered himself a failed entrepreneur. His previous company, an agency, had just folded after, in his words, doing things wrong for so many years. His wife, two daughters, and debt owed from his previous business would have made it pretty easy to scramble for short-term opportunities to pay bills. But what Russ really wanted was for his next idea to be both profitable and a source of personal fulfillment. He picked up a few consulting jobs, a lot of simple design-related jobs he facilitated, but mostly, he had a lot of time to think. He read Dan Norris's The Seven Day Startup and became inspired by the parallels he saw between his design consulting and WP Curve's business model of subscription WordPress updates. Russ thought, I wonder if I could make subscription-based graphic design work. That was his eureka moment. Design Pickle launched in January of 2015 as flat rate, unlimited graphic design help. A little over three years later, and they're on pace for $10 million in revenue in 2018. Russ loves to talk about Design Pickle, but he wanted to tell the whole story, starting with the failure of his previous business and why it didn't work out. Kind of didn't work out, it's a small understatement. I mean, it was just like dramatically didn't work out, like very, <laughs> very much so didn't work out. But inserting into 2014, I called myself a, f- a failed entrepreneur Although hindsight's 2020, all I realize now is that, you know, what I created next after that was, was that really as a result of, of doing things wrong for so many years, which was in my case about eight and a half years. And I, I, when I go back to that time, I think a lot of my beliefs about business, they were transforming. Like I was definitely in a place of evolution with who I was as an individual. And that was really like my first thing I did differently versus the the, the previous eight years was I started really looking at who I was as an individual. Whereas before I was always like trying to fix the business, trying to like solve the business problem, trying to do things better or have a better marketing or a better website. And lo and behold, the thing that needed the most work was myself. So unemployed, you have a lot more time. I was also, I technically was only unemployed for about two and a half weeks. And then I got a couple consulting gigs so that I didn't legitimately become homeless, unable to pay my bills. But I had a ton of time. Like I had no no clients for a while. I once I did have clients, I was really light engagements a couple times a week, meeting with them, trafficking stuff back and forth. So I invested into leadership and coaching, and I ended up going to my first like business. It was like a, a life coach conference. And it turns out it was mainly like a woman's conference. I didn't realize this at first, but I showed up and I, it's like me and one other guy and 40 women. And, uh, but it was, it was what I needed at the time because I had never looked at maybe 
to get where I wanted to go in life and to build the business that I wanted to build, I actually had to work on myself first. Right. Yeah. And, and you, you talk a lot about that in the blog post too. What, what, um, what was the previous, uh, business that you had, that you had founded and, and why didn't it work out? Well, I even have a hard time explaining it today because that's how poorly I, I created a business. It was kind of like an agency-ish branding design. Hey, what do you need, John? Do you need a web app? Oh, yeah, we do that too. Oh, hey, we'll do whatever. You have money. Pay us. So I was just trying to create solutions based on who was willing to buy. And that was not a very good business, as you can imagine, and namely because I was unable to replicate anything. There was no systems. There were no processes. There was no way to improve. If I did something really well, I, I had a hard time doing it really well again because every project was a one-off. And um, so that's what I did. And, and we ended up just dissolving. Like there wasn't a big – there was not a big like – explosion or huge massive fallout i had lost a few big clients in 2014 and eventually i just knew that that this model wasn't for me i knew there was a model there was a business i loved being an entrepreneur i, I knew what it stood for for me individually and the lifestyle i gave my family but going out there and trying to pitch you on my ideas and convince you that these were good ideas and then and then execute those things, whether it was a website design or a brand platform or a trade show strategy, it just simply didn't fit what I ultimately wanted in life, which was freedom and time and, and, and money. Like not to mention we were losing money most months, which for a self-funded company is not a very sustainable strategy. Right, right. And so you talk about, um, you know, coming through this period, um, it didn't work out. And I think you talked about too, that it, it kind of dissolved through, uh, would you say a, a, over a Skype call in less than 10 days. <laughs> so it, it dissolved pretty quickly. Yeah. Cause we, it was, it was one of those conversations that my partner and I always danced around. See, I had a partnership. It was kind of the precursor experience to design pickle. But I, I had my first agency, which was just me solo in Arizona and some team members here. And then my second version of that, I, I formed a partnership with a man in Argentina. Him and his wife had an agency down there. So the theory was like, hey, we could, we could kind of use um, a creative team internationally, a little less expensive, not tremendously in, in, in Buenos Aires, but less than, than, say, the United States. And we had all these business model assumptions and efficiency assumptions. Turns out none of it panned out. So we were always like dancing around this, 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 this ultimate conversation, which we eventually had in August of 2014. But like none of us wanted to admit things weren't working and we we're so optimistic, like, Hey, okay, let's try this or let's do this. And in our last hurrah, which you'll find this probably funny. Our last hurrah, we was like, well, we're going to sell HubSpot. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. And we're going to sell this. And, and let me like, like it was easy to sell HubSpot. HubSpot is, makes it very easy as an agency to sell that to your clients. They support you a lot. We really misunderstood the technical implementation of all this sales. So here I did, I sold like a million dollars of revenue of HubSpot work. And then we 
had no one to implement it and it just totally imploded. So August, uh, 2014 Skype in the Indianapolis Marriott. I remember the lobby vividly. (laughs) I was there. I was actually there on a personal trip to a, a board game convention called Gen Con and, and it's kind of a nerd nerd fest. And I, I wasn't enjoying myself. I was super depressed. I was super stressed because we lost all this business and I Skype him and I said, Federico, I can't do this anymore. And he was like, all right, I know I get it. Like he knew the writing was on the wall and yes, in the next two weeks, everything was wrapped up. And by September 1st, 2014, my eight and a half year career of being an entrepreneur, I had no job, no money, nothing in savings. Actually, I had negative money because I got a credit card out of the business divorce. I had negative $4,000 on a chase card. Um, from HubSpot fees actually that we were paying for, for clients. So like it was a disaster and I was just like, but I knew though that was like, I had to do it. I had to make that decision and move on. And when, when you, when you go through stuff like that, <clears throat> you mentioned how you, you, you can, it's easy to fall into what's called the scarcity mindset. So mm-hmm. your, your horizons and, and, and just your, your overall vision is very narrow, right? You're thinking about short term cash, especially when you have a family, right? So, Right. Um, uh, talk about the things that you that helped you to sort of keep perspective to think about, you know, what you wanted to do next. Absolutely. Well, so quick point on scarcity mindset, because I think if you've never studied this, there's a really easy way to to, to understand it and also understand the opposite, which is abundance mindset. And the scarcity mindset is really that there's a, there's like a finite amount of something and like there's a pie. And if, if, if you have one piece, John, then that means I have less, I can have less, like we're sharing the same pie. And I ran this way in business. Like I was always believing that man, like, like there's only so much business. I got to take what I can get. I'll do whatever it takes. And and now in hindsight, I know that like, like there could be a hundred design pickles and we all could be doing, you know, nine figures of revenue a year and there's still enough business out there for everybody. Like the competition really isn't always necessarily like another person specifically, unless you're on just such a huge global scale. The competition is, is just lack of awareness. Like people just know, don't know about you. And so the scarcity mindset drove my, my decision-making for so many years. And, and then you, you close the business and I'll tell you what it like losing your job, having a family living in a, in an environment where you have bills coming the next week and, 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 and also you're sort of unmarketable as an employee, just because you don't know where to go. Like, no, you're like, you're almost like tainted because you have zero employment history. Um, it didn't help with that scarcity mindset. It just poured fire or fuel onto that fire. And that's why I started to invest in personal coaching and going to some events because I knew that like I had to change this way of living. I wasn't just going to jump into the next, the next thing to make a buck. I kind of did that with consulting, but even while I was consulting, I knew that, that it was it was not going to be my long term thing because I had to build something that was more sustainable, and so through the training I, I learned about the other side of scarcity, which was abundance. And this is like, 
it's pretty much everything out there with the exception of maybe time in the day, there's, there's more than enough. There's more than enough for, for, for us to have, including business ideas, clients, money, opportunity. And if I operate with that abundance mindset, wow, now I'm, I'm making decisions in a much different way and, 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 and thinking more about the long term versus just the short term. Right. And, and you started, you started journaling, right. To, to sort of document yeah. a lot of the ideas so, that maybe you had. Yeah. So a couple of things I did to help accelerate this abundance mindset was, was, was journaling and meditation were two big, big time things that I was not ever doing before that I started to do. I mean, to be honest, I had a lot more time. <laughs> like I did, I wasn't like putting out <laughs> client fires left and right or trying to like track down invoices. So I like could go to a coffee shop and journal. Um, and so, so yeah, so I was doing that and, and what that was allowing me to do, it was allowing a much, much more awareness, introspection. And I wasn't writing anything profound or creating these timeless literary things while I was journeying, journaling at Starbucks, it was like, I'm so frustrated, dot, dot, dot. Damn it. I'm still frustrated. Dot, <laughs> dot, dot. What am I frustrated about? I don't know. Okay. I mean, it's just like stream of consciousness, but the, the more I did it, the more I was able to reflect until a certain point during one of these journaling sessions, I answered this simple question, what do you want? Like it was this question that I was working with a coach on and he's like, Russ, write down what you want. Like in your life over the next year, what do you want? Just be super selfish. So it, at, I remember the coffee shop technically wasn't Starbucks. It was actually a local brand called Press Coffee here in Arizona. And I wrote it and I was like, I want recurring revenue. I want another kid because I only had two at the time. I wanted a third one. I want to travel more like basic stuff. Right. But that list ended up being about 10 things. And then I was like, okay, maybe I should create a business or a life that can kind of help me with these things. Because if my next business allows me to travel more, well, that seems like it's a good thing, right? It's like actually getting more of what I want. And that list and that journaling became like a guiding document for the next 18 plus months as, as I launched into my next entrepreneurial venture. And how did, so talk about how Design Pickle, the idea for the whole the whole brand and 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 really, I guess, before that, the business model, like how did that all come about? Right. So I ran creative teams. I studied design and, and the truth of the matter was I was never really great at it. Like I'm, I'm a good consumer of design. I appreciate it. But if you ask me to sit down an illustrator and create something for you, uh, I'm not going to be very great. So I always had hired folks. And when I ran, when I went into the unemployment phase or the consultant phase, the, the, the reality sunk in that I sucked at design and basically had was told these people I could help them with creating stuff, whether it was a business card, an event flyer, graphic, just basic stuff. <laughs> so I scrambled and I was like, okay, I gotta, all right, I'm going to find some people. And I, and I interviewed a couple people, but back to that list, remember that coffee shop list on it was, I want, 
um, to the travel component was, was on there. And out of that was like, I want remote team. So I'm not going to hire anyone that I, you know, need to meet face to face with. So I put a job post online on Upwork and I, and I said, okay, I want to hire two people. I want to hire a graphic designer, but I also want to hire a project manager. Cause I don't really want to get myself into the situation where I'm managing this designer and, and I kind of was being selfish. Like I, I didn't want that task on my plate. Well, I found two people from the Philippines and it ended up working really well. They, I didn't decide to work in the Philippines. It just kind of, those were the applicants that came through. And so long story short, I was doing all this consulting. Like again, if you were going to pay me, I was going to do it. So I was helping redesign a WordPress website. I was helping with a, an event trade show in Las Vegas and the booth and the design and all these things. And then, but those things were taking up a ton of time. So I set up my designer and my project manager on a ticketing software. And I told my clients, I just like, Hey, whenever you need this easy stuff, just email the, this, this generic email address and, and, and I'll take care of it. Now I didn't really tell them what was going on, but it, but then the files would get designed and done and managed and then I would get them and I would deliver them to the clients. And turns out that was the best part of my business. Like that was the easiest part of my consulting because clients were getting stuff faster. I wasn't doing any of the work. I was just facilitating the delivery. And I, I continued with the personal development stuff. And then finally, one of the founders of WP Curve, um, Dan Norris, wrote a book seven day startup. And I read this book in December of 2014 and I was like, holy crap, I have, I have the model of a business similar to their business, which is subscription WordPress updates. I have the same system bones infrastructure as they do. I wonder if I could do subscription graphic design. And that was when all like, it's like the detective movie where all the flashbacks and the clues all come together in the last 10 minutes and Eureka. Shoo, 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 shoo. yeah, yeah. Like you're like, I'm like, yeah, oh, I got it. And so put a brand together in, in December and we launched design pickle in January, 2015, which was flat rate, unlimited graphic design help. So straightforward, whatever you need, send a, send us a request. We'll get it done right away. And not the big stuff, right? Like website redesigns or, yeah. or, or big, you, you well, were doing well, like the, the, the stuff that you just said, like the, 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 the quick stuff, the graphics and, and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Exactly. It was the stuff that I, I, I needed help with when I was the consultant. And when I really looked back over the years, what the clients needed the most help with to run their business. You know, the website projects happen once every year, once every few years, the trade shows again, once a couple times a year, normally the, I need new Facebook ads, or I need a new business card, or I need a graphic to put up in my store. Those things pop up all the time. And there wasn't a, a blend of the, the reliability of like an employee who knows your brand and you work with consistently with the flexibility of a contractor. And that's kind of what we did and what we created with design pickle. So you work with a dedicated person and they're available, you know, whenever you need, but you're not paying a salary and, and ultimately because of our systems and our efficiencies in our model, what you are paying for the output is, way less than what you would even be able to hire a part-time person here in um, the U.S. for. So how did you settle on, you know, the, the really sophisticated process of deciding pricing? And I say that because you joke about it in, in one of your <laughs> blog posts. So you put together this flat subscription rate 
Um, and so how did you settle on price? Well, I, I, I built a financial model, which, which at the time was like, okay, open Google docs. Here's everything I currently have bills for. <laughs> here's how much money I'm making in consulting. Um, my, uh, my launch price for design pickle was actually 195 bucks. So it was even less than until, until I had clients telling me literally, Russ, you're not charging enough. You need to pay more like clients willing to pay you more really is an indicator that you've underpriced your service. Um, but then I, and then I said, okay, based on how much I'm consulting, um, and based on this price, like, like, what do I think an average client is going to request in a week? You know, how much, how much of these small design jobs and then, okay, how many of those requests do I think one designer could, could handle? And, and I kind of built it from there. So eventually I said, well, if I get, and I'm going to make it up because I don't have the model in front of me, but let's say I get like 20 clients, then that's going to cover, um, my costs and I can have a full-time designer and I can do this and I can consult less. If I get 40 clients, well then at 195, then I can stop consulting altogether. And, and that's how we started. And then we eventually raised our price to 370 because we literally were getting people telling us like, we want to pay you more. We eventually went up to 500 a month and saw a huge drop off in terms of the, the signups. And then we just settled back down to 370. And I'll say the other sophisticated part of my pricing model was what's just a really great deal. Like what just seems like a really great deal, which, which we have the luxury of being able to, to use price juxtaposition because a lot of people have experience buying design. Like with your company, not as many people have experience buying visualization dashboards. So you, you don't have like a ton of background buying those things. So pricing may be a bit more arbitrary, but for design, people have paid a thousand dollars for a brochure. They've paid $4,000 for an employee. So when we come out swinging with a $300 plus like $370 price, they're like, wow, that's such a great deal. And that's been a huge part of our sales strategy. Is there, are there different buckets? Uh, so like, um, for, for people that might have more frequent needs. So do you have different pricing models or is it just one plan? Well, up until about a month ago, the answer would be one plan, but we actually launched a new plan, uh, last month called day shift. And it's the same about it's, it's, you do get more volume out of it, but it's actually same day service and it's powered with Slack. So it's $995 a month and you get to chat with your designer nine to five, you know, 9am to 5pm in Slack, still using our software to submit the requests and to be delivered. But it's basically having like a part-time person working your, you know, the U S business hours. And that was created based off of clients again, saying, Hey, I, I'm happy with the the speed and the service. There's just sometimes like small things I need to quickly done and I don't want to wait a day or more, which our, our regular service has that delay built in because you submit during the day and people design at nighttime. So with the day shift, we put people on and that's been a huge success. And again, it's still really disruptive in terms of the price. I love the name day shift. That's great. What, what is the, uh, what is the, what is the structure of the team look like? So, uh, is, is it, is it contractors? Do you have full-time designers? Like how does that, how does that all look? Everyone's full-time and, you know, because we have an international team, you know, legally they're, they're contractors, 
to us, but we have everyone working as, as full-time waged people. Uh, we have about 20 people here in the States. We have some contractor teams for different things in Europe. And then we have around 130 people in the Philippines. Wow. That's, that's great. I mean, that, that speaks to the demand, right? Um, yeah. And, and so you, when did design pickle launched? Was it, was it 2014 or 15? January 2015 is our, uh, is our launch date. So we just celebrated our third birthday for this past January. And what do you, what do you guys do in these days for, for monthly, uh, for monthly revenue? Yeah, we are just right at $600,000 a month in recurring revenue. Wow. So we've, we've grown quite a bit and, in um, three years. Yeah. Yeah. In three years. Yeah. It's been pretty, it's been a great, great, great run. And, you know, we were more, we're, we're already, double like we're already about halfway um let's just say we'll beat 2017 revenue in the next few months <laughs> with, wow with where we're at and where we're growing so uh, w- what's really interesting to me too and and you've mentioned this before in 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 the content is that uh, to go this you know when you take out the website redesigns and sort of those big projects and you focus on the design work that you guys do you kind of could inadvertently compete with Fiverr, right? And you're never going to compete with services like that on price. So I guess a couple of things and and brand is probably one of the big reasons, but how did, how did you sort of steer the business model and brand away from those types of comparisons? So I can go get, you know, graphics real quick on Hmm. Fiverr for 15 bucks or, or something like that. Well, it's, it's interesting because I think early on I wasn't clear I didn't understand those businesses as well. And I, I, I had a very like brief phase where I was like, I'm going to go get funding and that's what I'm going to do. So actually I got into one of the final rounds of 500 startups and I flew out to San Francisco and met with everybody there and dr- dressed as the pickle too. I did my pitch dressed as the pickle, which was pretty funny <laughs> in a Uber in San Francisco. Like no one actually their address where their headquarters is like, it's like, you know, I'm from Arizona, so they don't, we don't have stacked together buildings. And I went into like a Chinese food restaurant thinking it was the entrance to the 500 startups. I just was like one door off and it's in the morning and there's like a cleaning lady in there and I'm walking in as this pickle and I'm totally convinced this is the entrance to 500 startups because I'm like, yeah, of course it's, it's San Fran. They're a cool tech. I'm sure I have to like go in the freezer and there's a staircase and like, and I'm asking this lady and she's like, no, no, it's not. I have no idea. We're having this like broken English conversation at eight in the morning as dressed me as dressed pickle. as a pickle. <laughs> uh, but anyway, back to back to the story. So I find it, find it, find out, and we actually through this process, I like had a ton of like de- I had to defend my model like very intensely against the marketplaces, which is what the fivers and the 99 designs are. And, and they were like, well, how do you control your volume? How do you staff? And I'm just like, I don't know, guys, we're just doing it. We're growing. I don't, we're just succeeding. And they, they, they ultimately passed. And I know a lot of it was because there was just no other models like ours. All the other models are the marketplaces where where people are making money based on the total transactional volume that's going through the system, kind of like a credit card company does. You know, they take a piece of every every swipe. So, but that's become our competitive advantage in in getting clients that graduate from the marketplace. So it ends up becoming a huge 
huge source of referrals for us when people need more than the one-off thing. They've already had the experience working with an international designer on the marketplaces, but the, the marketplaces are so inconsistent. Like you'll get a good guy and then he's gone or it's like, you know, you, you, like you, you get somebody that, um, can kind of do something good, but then you're, you're just really stuck explaining things. And we, we get the people from that to say, Hey, that's good for one-offs. But if you need consistency, if you need scale, if you need actually a lot better quality in some, some aspects, we're then the next, the graduation phase of that. And, um, so I love the marketplaces and I think they've, they've, they were early pioneers unlocking international talents and, inter- and like building the international creative scenes. They're just, you're just, in, they're just the wrong incentive. I think from a business model to create a great experience. And, um, and that's, that's our differentiator in a lot of ways is we want to deliver a great experience. We don't deliver great design, but knowing that a great design is often comes out of a great, great experience. And, and speaking of brand and experience and, and kind of parlaying off that story of, of showing up to 500 startups pitch just as a pickle, like obviously brand is, is a big part of design pickle and, and just the, I mean, obviously the overall business model is unique, but Design Pickle uh, itself is, is such a great brand, and and you've talked about how w- one of the big uh, sort of contributors to success was building a memorable brand fast. So, did mm-hmm. you know that that was important right out of the gate? And uh, how did the whole like hand drawn pickle like how, how did that <laughs> how did that all come about? It, it 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 was it was a direct result of having a shitty brand for the last the previous business. So my previous business, I, I had had the worst branding experiences as a guy who was trying to sell branding with my previous agency in two ways. The first was our clients that we had were all these tech clients, but not really high brow tech clients. They were, these were like tech clients who were founded in the nineties, still around and then trying to be cool. So they would hire us to do branding, but then it would get so watered down with board of directors and investor decisions and all of this that we had every name just ended in like a gnarly acronym and we could never really be (laughs) creative. So that was really frustrating as someone who loves branding. And then the second thing was just a stupid decision on me and my partner's part when we created the agency. And that was my agency's name, which I'll say it and then I'll spell it was NSB keen, which is N S B as in boy forward slash K E A N E. (laughs) And it was the worst name. It was, we were trying to be like Ogilvy and Mathers or, you know, like something cool. BBDO. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it just sucked ass. So we just decided to, so that was like years of my life dealing with that. And so when I quit, my buddy out of Southern California had a, had a Drupal agency and his, his name is Kevin wall and his, his, his brand was all about koalas because K wall koalas. And he always just had a koala dancing around. <laughs> and I was like, I want something fun and cool. And I love pickles and designpickle.com was available. So I bought it immediately. And then sitting with my kids, I was like, I'm going to just draw a funny dancing guy who's happy. And I took two attempts. And the second attempt is the logo we still use today, which we have a U.S. trademark on. <laughs> 
which, which is so funny to me. <laughs> See, kids, brand, branding's not not that hard. Think of something that you enjoy. In this case, pickles, and and there you go. And I I'll, think I'm going to do a case study on like <laughs> vegetable branding strategies and like how to how to leverage food and fruits to name your company. <laughs> it, it also talks to how hard it is to get a freaking domain too nowadays. It's like, well, design pickles available, right? Because of course it would be. Right. So I, <laughs> I was, I thought I had, I struck gold. I was like, no way, design pickle. <laughs> and, but like, how, talk about like, how, that's a big part of, obviously that is the brand, but that's a big part yeah. of who you, who you are, right? I mean, just from landing on the website, I already immediately get a feel for who you guys are, what it's probably like to work with you. Don't take yourselves too seriously, but you're great at obviously positioning and branding. I, I guess let's talk about how that informs and defines like who you are as a business. Right. Well, I was really, really, really thoughtful about like, look, the name and the logo, it definitely was like in the moment it worked out just kind of one of those fun stories. I'm sure I like, I'll, I'll tell from stage one day, people thinking there's a big strategy behind it. I'm just like, no, I just drew it. But the brand as, as a lot of people know, and maybe you don't, is more than just a website. It's more than a logo. It's an, ex, an experience and it's a feeling and it's, it's everything that goes into your relationship with a business or a person or, or whatever, a product. And I knew because I was one of a huge like contributor to this, that people working with designers have had a lot of bad experiences and it's, and it's kind of this, bum deal where a lot of designers aren't great communicators. They don't really like conflict. Creative agency owners are graduated designers that now just have kind of teams. And and everyone kind of has their horror story when it comes to like a web design firm or a graphic designer. And I knew this going into the industry. And I knew this because I also was other people's horror stories. Like I, I caused so many problems because I was, I was like oversold a product or tried to like overpromise, under deliver kind of scenario. So I knew this. And so I wanted design pickle to be the opposite from a brand standpoint where it was like, look, we really care. We're genuinely friendly. We really want to succeed. And if the design itself doesn't look right, you're going to be emotionally connected to us so that you'll tell us, Hey Russ, I don't like this design, which believe it or not, a lot of people don't do. They get something back and they're like, Oh, this designer sucks, but they don't actually say, I don't like this. Can you make me something different? And so I wanted to create a safe environment where people could feel like they can communicate better and clearer and and then I build a business around that. So a great example from a tactical standpoint is we have dedicated, every client has a dedicated customer success rep that knows them by name. It's different than the designer. We don't make the designers manage customer success issues because they're not good at it and they just want to design anyway. But that's part of that branding. So when you see the smiling pickle, like that is resonates throughout the whole experience from the onboarding to meeting the team to, you know, posts we do. And I do a web Facebook live monthly to our clients, like kind of fireside chat. Hey, here's what's going on. And all of this is, is about the brand. It's about that brand to, to build this connection with, with our clients. 
That's I, I, lo- I love that story. I, lo- I love the idea too of like a fireside chat every month on Facebook Live. That's a great idea. Um, so yeah, and a, and a and a cool too is you download your client list and you do direct match audience on match on Facebook and do ads to them. And they see it in Facebook, which a lot of times they're not watching, checking their emails. They miss those announcements. That's been a great hack for engagement to reach our clients in a different way is delivering that video to them. I bet. So what's the, like, what's the, uh, what are your aspirations? Like where, where's design pickle headed? Well, um, revenue wise, we're, you know, we're going to break 10, uh, 10 million this year, which is really exciting. And I want to continue to fulfill on our vision of a company, which is to change lives through creativity. So we're, we're really, we're updating our app, which is a big endeavor, um, making it easier for people to make requests and communicate with their designer. And, and then from there, it's, it's looking at um, a second product we built called Jar, which is the software that that we use, and getting that into more people's hands. So allowing people to build businesses, allowing creative teams, basically anyone managing requests for their clients or their teams, we want this software to be sitting there uh, in the intersection of that. And so like working on that and selling that is is um, a big focus for Design Pickle. And where we go from there is like, like, I don't know, selling for a hundred million dollars in a few, in a few years. That's my, that's my goal. <laughs> Man, <laughs> One I, day. I, I, I love this story. And, and I think, uh, we have a lot of agencies who listen, uh, listen to this podcast and, and read our content, some of whom might, or, or maybe at some point fit that sort of bill that, you know, that you, you, you take the clients that are willing to pay you. Uh, I guess like what would be like, what have you learned in transitioning from that old model of agency work? Um, you know, that didn't work out. You, you went through a period of, uh, we'll call it despair. You, you landed on this idea and design pickle. Like, I, I guess like what would be your advice slash what have you learned through that whole transition and, and landing on this model? Well, man, that's a great question. I I want to come back to the scarcity thing. And I think having the confidence and belief that, that there is a simple, simple way to create value that's repeatable, that's scalable, like figuring out what that is for your agency is going to be how you liberate yourself from the prison you're probably in because a lot of agency people are not happy with their agency and they're grinding and they're working hard, but the hours and the pay don't match up to the effort that they're putting out there. And, and I, and I, and when I realize that, like, I don't have to be the crazy fancy design guy to help a lot of people and to change lives and to create a good place to work and, and to not be so stressed out all the time and, and like running around like crazy. And it was humbling. And I got a lot of heat originally from the local design community. When I launched this business, we still get heat every day from people. And then most of the people who criticize this, eventually they realize they could actually sign up and use our service and it becomes like really helpful for them. So that they <laughs> convert, <laughs> but like just just having that confidence in myself, but also that 
there's the market's really big out there. I mean, there's so many consumers out there. There's so many businesses out there that want just an easier way to do things. They want a simpler way to buy. They want a better experience. And so trying to hone in on what that is for somebody, like a great example is one of my friends, she's been in video, she's had a video production agency forever. And she's tried to iterate this multiple times. Her current evolution, which she admittedly say was kind of inspired by us, is targeting podcasters, audio only podcasters, and a subscription-based service to create graphical memes and stylized graphic memes from a podcast episode. So you send her the podcast link within a day or two, you have motion graphics for Instagram, graphics for Facebook, all the stuff you want to do to promote your business. It's not crazy complicated. It's not as cool as a 20 minute mini documentary production, but she's loving it. And she's, and, and, and podcasters just want to make podcasts. They don't want to go and create all this content for themselves. She, she found a way to do that. And I think to me, that's going to be like the next gen of agencies are these like hyper specific things. And you just have a, a dozen of them in your arsenal that are just doing all these things for you really well, really efficient and really affordably. And this was this this is such a great uh, story, and I really enjoyed this conversation, Russ, and 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 for you to be so open, in in sharing uh, everything that led up to Design Pickle, how you guys are doing now. Really appreciate it. This was a lot of fun. Thanks for yeah. coming on here and, and sharing the story of Design Pickle. I can't wait to see where yeah, this totally. <laughs> where this goes. Me too. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.